the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It seems like a strange, strange passage where, where usually in the church we continuously talk about Jesus being critical of the scribes and the Pharisees over and over again. And we have been taught um, that we're saved not by um, the things that we do, but by the grace and glory of Jesus Christ and that alone. So what does all this mean, really, when Jesus starts off, or at least continues, this next passage of, of, of the Sermon on the Mount with you need to be um, even more righteous than scribes and Pharisees? Well, we have to understand that, that the Jesus is, is bringing forth the kingdom of God, which is a revolution that's happening. It's the claiming of the true Israel that's to take place. The you are the salt of the earth is not a you, singular. It's a you, plural. It's a y'all um, type phrase. Y'all are the salt of the earth. And by y'all, it means Israel is meant to be the salt of the earth. Israel is meant to be that nation that is um, being preserving, which is what salt mostly was back then. Salt loses its, it says saltiness, sometimes it says, and today I think it says tastiness. But really it's, it's a preservative more than it was a seasoning per se um, before refrigeration. Right, that, that salt makes things last, it makes things good that can go bad. And you are meant to be the salt of the world, not be like everybody else. And you're to be a light of the world. A city that shines its light on the hill, what city is there in this time? Jerusalem is the city that's set on a hill that by the temple was meant to be a light to all the nations, and yet now is not being that way. They try to be less like everybody else. And so therefore this, this whole aspect begins with, you are called to be more. You're called to be different. And different how, right? Not just um, different in, in the way that um, you don't want Romans to be in charge, or not different in the way of, of competing with, against this faction or that faction. This is what's happening in Jesus' day all the time. There's always little revolutions popping up here and there. They sort of pop up, and then they're not any better than the next revolution, and they fade away, and they fizzle out. And Jesus is saying, this is different. This We are going to be the true Israel. And the true Israel is sort of in this passage that we heard in Isaiah, right, where, where Isaiah is, is talking about ritual versus relationship, ritual versus living into the covenant, about fasting. You all fast so you can fight. Like that's basically what was going on. It's sort of like 
the, the, the holy form of drinking, right? I mean, you drink so you can fight, and then you can apologize for fighting. I'm sorry I was fighting with you. I was drunk. This is the same thing. It's, I'm sorry I was fighting with you. I was fasting. I was angry. Nobody gave me a Snickers bar, and it was really a tough day. It's just the I, and and this is the reality of what Isaiah is saying. You you pretend that you care to follow God, but you're not following God at all. You do these things just so you can quarrel, just so you can fight. When in reality, fasting is meant to draw you near to God, but also meant for you to give to the poor, that they might have their fit. That you can deny yourself some things and clothe the naked. You can take in the homeless. These are the aspects of, of fasting and righteousness that Isaiah is putting forth. You're pretending to enter into the ritual. And so this is what Jesus means when he says you need to be more righteous than the scribes and Pharisees. That is, I'm not looking to get rid of the law. In fact, if you teach that the law is not okay, that you're you're wrong, not one iota, not one dot is gonna be gonna be stricken from the law. We know later on that we're not saved because we're perfect in the law, but Jesus isn't saying that right now. Jesus begins to expand on the law, and even though even though that's next week's verse will give a little preview, because otherwise we forget, right? Which is which is it said, do not murder, right? You're not supposed to murder. But I tell you, if you're angry with your brother and you call him a fool, then you've killed him. It said that you're not supposed to commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look lustfully with someone in your heart and it causes you sin, then, then you've, you've committed adultery as well. Jesus just is, is raising the bar. The law says... Right? The law says, thou shalt not kill. Grace in this new covenant says, you shall not even call your brother a fool. The law says you should not commit adultery. Grace says you should not even lust in your heart. This is just taking this to the next level. And not the next level of perfection, but in, in fleshing out what the covenant of God is and what the revolution of the kingdom of God is. What's taking place? How are we salt of the earth? How are we a light in the world? How does God shine in us and through us to the world around us? Because there's the reality that, that there's there's basically two camps of people often. The one one camp that says Jesus was just sort of a good Jewish teacher and not really a revolutionary at all. And another that says Jesus was a revolutionary and he came to do away with everything that didn't have anything to do with Judaism. And, and the answer is both those things are wrong. Right? Jesus built on the covenant that God has intended to be from the beginning of time, but he was a 
revolutionary. He did come to introduce new reality. And as we walk through the scriptures, we see that all that, that, that Jesus begins to talk about and to teach and to proclaim of healing and back to what was last blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name. See, all those, all those little blessings um, stem from this, this recalibration of what not only is the law and the covenant of God, but our role um, of, of demonstrating this, which means um, when, when somebody disagrees with us, we don't shout them down. We don't act out in anger and violence. Instead, there's this shift that takes place that we're called to be different, to be separate, um, but to engage the world around us. Today, um, in a few minutes, we'll do, we'll do the blessing of throats um, and this comes from, from St. Blaise who was an early bishop who was, was on his way to be martyred for his faith and there's a young boy who was choking, said on a fish bone and, and he healed him and, and, in, and in many ways and so we have a blessing of, of throats um, sort of to commemorate activity and, and other ailments. But, but ultimately, ultimately what it is is to say, this is what it is to be a light in the world. Even as you're on your way to die for your faith, you still become like Jesus to the world around you. You still heal. You still bless. You can be wrapped up, obviously, in your own um, fate, which who could blame him for being that way, right? Um, and yet, we're called to look out outside of, of, of ourselves. A couple, a couple of weeks ago, in in uh, Corinthians, it's, it's, it takes Paul a while to get to the point haven't figured that out yet. A couple weeks ago he says, I've heard there's a quarrel among you and Chloe from Chloe's people that some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Cephas, some say I follow Christ. What's the deal? And the solution that Paul talks about now several um, verses later is that there's the Spirit of God that's upon us. We don't worry about wisdom of the world because God has given us something great. Indeed, God has given us the Spirit of God. No one, comprehend, no one comprehends the thoughts of God or the mystery of God without the Spirit of God. And so there's all of these things where you can, where you can claim wisdom and smarts and this and that, but the world thinks it's nuts. And the reason the world thinks it's nuts is because the Spirit of God is not um, on them because it is sort of nutty, right? I mean, that's, that's what Paul's saying. Christ crucified 
is crazy. Christ crucified makes no sense to them. It's folly. But to us, who have the Spirit of God, we understand it. So therefore, why are you joining one camp or this camp or that camp when the reality is it's through the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God alone which binds us together? And it's the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God alone which enables us to be a light on the hill. It allows us to be the salt of the earth. Because there's no way that, that we can do this individually or even corporately in our own power, by our own will. But the Spirit of God empowering us, blessing us, where we utilize the gifts that we've been given, the variety of gifts as we read later on in Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians. There's a variety of gifts, and you all are part of the body. I can't say to you, I don't have any need of you, right? Can't cut off your foot, all those, all those things that are in there. That we make up the body of Christ, that we together are the salt of the earth, are called to be the light in the world. Where we bring forth healing and grace and hope. Indeed, actually, the passage here that Jesus says, let your light shine. In, in the Greek, which I don't usually talk about Greek, but in the Greek, um, it's actually a actually a sort of more of a comment to the light than it is to the you, right? Light shine forth for my people. That Jesus is sort of commanding the light to shine forth out of the body. How do we let the light shine? How do we, as the people of God, proclaim the healing grace of love? This is the challenge that's sort of set before us today in this passage. It's the challenge that's really set before us all of us, right? We are invited to be more, to be the salt of and power and practices, but to sort of be bold in the world and shining brightly. 